Friday, the 1st of September. You're very welcome. I want to talk to you about gaming group dynamics. During the week I wrote a blog on why we should all be wary of group dynamics and I will link to that blog in the notes of this episode that are available on my website. In this podcast I want to expand on that and look specifically at techniques that can be used to exploit groups. We may be tempted to think that we're safer as part of a group. This is a very natural thing for humans to feel. You feel safe, you feel secure, the larger the group the safer you feel. I want to invert that in your mind today, and I want you to think that sometimes being in a group is actually the worst thing, it can be dangerous. Because groups are exploitable, and moving a group as a unit is easier than moving individuals one by one. And perversely, strong group cohesion makes it easier to manipulate. By that I mean the tighter the group is, the closer that everybody is in terms of their thinking, um, the easier it is for somebody to manipulate that group and steer them. The reason being is because they're more likely to follow one another, without question. So there's a few different ways that a group can be manipulated. In my blog, I use the analogy of a a sheepdog and a flock of sheep, or a border collie, I should say, specifically, which are known to be very intelligent. They're the most intelligent dog by far, and they're experts at steering a group. This is what they're bred to do. And if you look at a video of a border collie, um, you know, controlling a flock of sheep, what they do is they actually just steer one or two of those sheep in a certain direction because they know the rest of the sheep will follow. So if they want the, the sheep to go left, they control the sheep at the front of the flock to go left. They want them to go right, they control the front to make that go right. And they know the rest will follow. And you know that there's sheep in the group that are following and they don't even know where they're going and they don't even know why they're following. They just know that their instinct is to follow because of the cohesion in the group. Instinctively, if the group goes left, they're going to go left. They may not even know if there's a dog nearby. It's just instinct. This is why groups can be a little bit dangerous and getting caught up in a group can be dangerous for any of the individuals because you know, just because a group makes a decision, it doesn't mean that it's the correct decision. And those decisions can be manipulated. So if we think about how a group can be manipulated, we can say that the group can be manipulated from the inside or from the outside. So in the instance of the, the dog with the flock of sheep, obviously the dog is not a member of the group. He's on the outside, but he's still steering the group. So specifically on the inside, um. Why is, why is it that we can manipulate a group from the inside? Well, other members of the group are more likely to listen to insiders because their guards are down. There's a degree of trust there. So if somebody inside the group um, wants to influence things, they're more likely to be listened to. And we'll see this all the time in, in real life. We see nefarious actors um, infiltrating groups and uh, stirring groups from the inside out. And groups are very vulnerable to this because once somebody establishes some trust in the group, 
they can leverage that trust to get decisions made. They can leverage that to steer the group in a certain direction. On the outside, um, groups can also be moved by, for example, uh, criticism of the group uh, to put the group into a defensive mode, which can provoke reactions to the desired topics. So think about the dog and the flock. Um, the dog is effectively harassing the group, challenging the group, yeah, threatening the group even, and the group is defensively reacting. This happens with people as well. This happens in you know teams. This happens in, in organizations where, for example, the competition in the market challenges you and they provoke a reaction. This outside style interference is arguably more dangerous than the inside style because the inside is the comfort zone. Uh, the guards are down, people are feeling more relaxed. The outside is the threatening zone and defenses are up. People are afraid, people are scared. And when people are scared, they make bad decisions because there's an element of stress involved. So it's more reactionary. So if you scare a group, you can get them to react and Nine times out of ten, um, that reaction in the moment might not be necessarily a good reaction. It may even be negative for the group itself. Another aspect about manipulating a group is how do you steer that group? There's a few different ways that you can steer a group. You can steer it from the head or you can steer it from the feet, i.e. the top or the bottom. Steering from the head, um, here it's all about identifying the influential leaders of the group. So if it's a company, for example, it's the C-suite, it's the CEO. If you can influence those people, you can get them to steer the rest of the organization in a certain direction. So that's steering from the head. Steering from the feet is where you try to decouple some of the people from the group and you try to steer them in a certain direction, maybe to go in a different direction from the rest of the organization and then others in the group start to follow because those people are insiders, so others start to follow. And then you get a kind of a uh, snowball effect where all of a sudden, from the, the bottom up, the group starts going in a different direction. And by the time the senior leadership notice, it's too late. The organization is already moving in a different direction. So I would say top down is, is easier than bottom, bottom up because you have to work on a, a smaller group of people. Um, however, it depends on the caliber, of course, of the leadership within the organization. High caliber leaders will not be impacted by noise outside the organization. High caliber leaders will not be reactionary. But we don't live in a world where high caliber leadership is common, sadly. And then let's talk a little bit about what I call chaos monkey mode. So <laughs> chaos monkey mode is basically uh getting everybody to run in all kinds of different directions um it's basically just scatter mode people are going left right up down back front they don't know what's happening it's chaos and if you can turn a group into chaos monkey mode um that group cohesion is basically gone everybody's pulling and pushing in different directions i've seen this in teams i've seen this in organizations where a certain degree of panic kicks in and people just don't know what's happening, they don't know what they're doing, and they just all go off in different directions. Once a group gets into that kind of chaos monkey mode, uh, it's very hard to pull them back. They're basically in trouble, they're almost in free fall. Um, it is salvageable, but it's difficult to salvage. And obviously, um, any nefarious actors um, 
trying to get your your your, your group into that mode, and um, they're trying to destroy the group. Worst case scenario, the group starts to turn on itself. You get infighting, you get politics, you get people who are, you know, metaphorically stabbing each other in the back. I often you like to use the analogy of cats in the bag. So you get a bunch of cats, you put them in a bag, they're going to start scratching each other, they're going to start fighting. If somebody wants to create that mode, they just need to create enough uncertainty, enough doubt, enough fear to get everybody to start to panic. And you'll see a bit of a team here, guys, that a lot of this negative group behavior is driven by fear. And nothing spreads faster in a group than fear. And really, this is social engineering. Social engineering is a term that's often used by hackers to describe attacking systems or attacking organizations, not via the the software, but via people. Uh, People are exploitable and groups are a lot weaker than we think. So the lesson here for me is to be mindful of the groups that you are a member of. Uh, I personally am a member of many groups. I get a lot of benefit from those groups, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a member. But to stop and think now and again, think about why am I a member of this group? What benefits am I getting? Who is in control of this group? What direction is the group going in? And are there any outside influences on this group that I need to be mindful of? And also, guys, always remember where the fire exit is. If a group starts to turn toxic, if a group gets so embedded in its groupthink that it just shuts down conversations around, you know, opposing views, any of that kind of toxic behavior that you start to see creeping into a group, you need to know where the fire exit is in case you need to exit that group, exit it cleanly, maintain relationships, maintain, you know, a positive vibe and a positive feeling towards the group as you're exiting but if a group is not doing well it's very hard for you as an individual to fix that unless you are the direct leader of the group and if a group goes full-on chaos monkey mode well then you definitely need to be going for that fire exit as as quick as you can so other than thinking about group dynamics this week uh what else have been have i been working on um I've been doing a lot of work with Apache Nutch on my grepper.org uh, website. Uh, as a recap, grepper.org is a generic web search engine that I'm building. Um, so you can think about it as being a, um, a light version of, of Google, but with no filtering, um, no, no tracking. So really great privacy and no AI. So I'm building the back end on that using a technology called Apache Nutch uh, and I've been having a lot of fun with Nutch over the last few months trying to get it to perform and trying to get it to scale. And I would say in general uh, with regards to Nutch my feeling right now is that the the performance is poor um, and distributing the indexing process via Hadoop is complicated and that's not even documented in Nutch version 2. So you're pretty much on your own with Nutch as a user. You kind of have to figure stuff out for yourself. And it's not a widely used tool, so when you Google stuff, you may or may not get the answer, and you certainly won't get the answer from the um, the Nutch online documentation. It's some of the worst documentation I've ever seen, to be honest, from an open source project. Which is a shame, because when it works, it actually works beautifully. And the quality of the index that I'm producing, I'm very happy with. What I'm not happy with is the fact that Nudge keeps on crashing all the time. 
Uh, what I'm doing now is I'm using services like Monit to monitor the Nutch uh, processes and automatically restart them when they fail because they fail pretty much every day. And the challenge I've had, I'm up to about uh, 2.1, no, sorry, 2.3 million documents in my index. The challenge that I'm having is that I want the index to running 24 seven. Um, but until I put the monit processes in place, that wasn't the case. It kept on crashing overnight. I'd wake up the next day, realize the index had been offline for like, you know, 10 hours. Um, I've had it been offline for days on end because I've been on vacation, for example. So the reliability of the index and services is a big challenge. And I think the only way you can, you know, let, uh, mitigate against that is by using service monitoring tools like, like a monit. I was thinking about using supervisor D as well. I think you need something to, to basically monitor, um, the health of the indexer and auto recover when it actually falls over. So I think I have that working now this week. Um, I, once I verify that it is working, I will probably write a blog entry about it for anybody out there in the world who is using Nudge, um, small community, I feel. But at least if they Google or use Grepper, they might actually find my blog um, instructing them on how to actually uh, use third-party tools like Monit to try to increase the reliability of Nudge. Because, yeah, it's been a painful experience. It's been a fun experience, but it's also, <laughs> also been a painful experience trying to keep that thing running. Um, other than that, um, in terms of media that I'm enjoying, I'm still watching Foundation Season 2. Um, which is progressing very nicely. Definitely, definitely recommend checking that out, guys. And apart from that, I need to start reading a new book soon. Uh, still haven't chosen what I'm going to read next. So if you have any recommendations, uh, please look me up on Twitter at TechLeaderPro. Okay, so I think I will finish there. Uh, I wish you guys a great weekend. I hope you do something fun with family and friends. And I will talk to you at the same time next week. Take care, goodbye, and have a good one.